All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. And you guys have heard me tell uh, a few of my stories about being a fighter pilot, being in the Navy in the background. And uh, we have a guest on. I was fortunate enough in the Navy uh, Aggressor Squadron to get a couple flights in the F-16, which, man, it put the F-14 absolutely to shame. If you guys uh, can picture, you have this big, giant muscle car, which is like the f 14 and Rob that F16 is like a brand new Ferrari tuned in race car so uh that's a you know Rob you were a, a fighter pilot flew the F16 so Rob welcome Rob Schallenberger welcome to the podcast well thank you John and and thank you first of all to all of the listeners that are joining this says a lot about who you are and your background even without knowing your name and story it just shows a lot about who a person is, the fact that they're tuning into this particular podcast. So I'm honored to have the conversation with you. And thanks, John, for hosting this and sacrificing your time and effort to help others. Oh, my pleasure, buddy. And, and you know, just a little bit of background on Rob, guys. He's uh, just, uh, we bring on a lot of people that we let you know that, you know, they're experts in what they do. But in leadership, planning, and execution, Rob, that totally describes you not only what you did in the military, but what you've also brought out into your career now as an author, uh, speaker, trainer. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge Jerry Jones fan from the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, I want to just read this quote because you worked with their team, which says a lot about you because, you know, that guy is the best of the best, right? And he said, and, and you wrote a book called Becoming Your Best. It was a national bestseller. Uh, here's what Jerry said. We found becoming your best to be extremely effective for our group. It is fast paced, interactive approach, which brings great energy to the team. It was time well spent. I mean, that's high praise. Also, a quote here from Stephen Covey in his book, The Speed of Trust, is, is one of my favorites. But anyway, you know, Rob, before we, we dive in, because what we're going to be talking about everybody today is really, you know, Rob, your passion is bringing out the best in people, creating transformation, which is permanent change, right? You know, how do we actually uh, shift our approach to business in life and it really kind of starts out with who we are and so we're going to be talking about some very practical things uh if you guys have listened to me a long time you know that it's a lot of it that's really missing in this whole topic of leadership where we talk about the why the what and the how and all those are important but i think the most important thing that's foundational to everything else is who you are and you have to build that foundation first and that Rob that is that is your mission that is your passion to inspire people and and equip them to become that successful leader but before we get into that share a little bit about kind of your background your journey into you know what you're doing now and why you're doing it yeah well you just hit the nail on the head there John and that is you know I grew up in Utah uh, served a two-year mission in Bolivia flew f-16s for 11 years uh, worked with Air Force One for a little while, and then together, after getting out of the Air Force seven years ago, my father and I started a company together called Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. And where this originated from and the thought behind this was, John, my father back in the 70s had started studying what sets apart great leaders and high performers from everyone else. I mean, if you look at a sales team, if you look at leaders, there are, as we all know, you know, you take a sales team of 100, there's going to be one or two of those people who just their results are through the roof compared to other people. And you wonder, well, what are they doing differently? <laughs> and you know, look at college football. How does a coach, and there's maybe a handful of them, you could take a coach from one team and put them on another team, and within five years, that coach will build a top 20 collegiate football team in that program. 
What is that coach doing differently? And the same thing applies to leadership. And what we found, John, in all of this research is that there are 12 principles of highly successful leaders that you see over and over, and they are very predictive of long-term success. And it's really important to note what you just said, and that is it starts within each one of us first. Uh, and there's a saying that we use in our seminars that says you will either lead a life by design or you will live a life by default. And for us as leaders, becoming your best is really a journey. And one of the first things we start out in our seminars with is that becoming your best is a mindset and a skill set. And I ask people in the room, you know, which of those two is a bigger deal? And everyone says mindset. Well, of course. Uh, it's having the humility and the willingness to look inside our own lives and say, how can we do better? And the next part of our seminar is when we memorize this quote together that says, good, better, best, never let it rest till the good is better and the better is best. And I'll ask people, you know, what does it sound like? And, and what does that look like when someone has that hunger and thirst? You know, teach me, how can I do this better? I've wanted to be a better leader. How can I do that better? Versus I'm fine the way I am. I'm good to go. Our team is good enough. Uh, see, that caps our progress. And so the question for each of us is listening, including myself, is how do we take where we are today and make it better as a parent, as a spouse, as a son or daughter of God, as a CEO or as a manager in our organization? And what does that look like? Because the second we get complacent and the second that we get comfortable in life, uh, that's, in fact, I just even say comfort is one of our greatest hindrances to forward progress. And that's why, John, this is becoming your best and sharing these 12 principles with organizations around the world is becoming a movement. I just returned from Guatemala last week. Uh, mm -hmm. We had one of our presenters going out tomorrow, leaving for Africa to do a tour in Africa, then Vietnam, Indonesia. I'll be in Romania. And so this movement of becoming your best is really a transformational movement because it's helping give people the mindset and the skill set, the tools to actually affect that change in their personal lives. And, and I'll just, maybe if I could just share one last thought, John. Yeah. Because it's not generalities that do it for us. I mean, what this really means is, you know, imagine having a relationship with your spouse where you just love being around each other, where mm -hmm. if a disagreement comes up, you know how to work through that and it never really grows and, and you just love being together. Or imagine waking up in the morning really filled with purpose and excited to face the day versus hitting the, you know, the snooze button or being a part of a team where you love being there and you're empowering them to do things that they never knew they were capable of doing. And that's what happens with a becoming your best type leader. So I'm excited to talk about some of those principles, John, and share those and see what impact they can have in all of our lives. Yeah. And I, and, and what you said, Rob, is either we, we, we have a choice and, you know, it's, this is about personal responsibility, right? You talked about mindset and skill set, but Hey, we get to lead a life by design or we get to live a life by default. And, you know, and what happened to me seven years ago with my accident and as I'm recovering, Rob, you know what I realized is I've been given this second chance at life and I'm starting over and I get a chance to completely rewrite the script right? What is it I want to do? Why do I want to do it? How do I want to do it? What do I want to be remembered for? What, what became my slogan is I want to live a life so the use of my life outlives my life. And I, and I was given this amazing, how I felt at the time, still do, this incredible second chance at living, doing, accomplishing, uh, having relationships differently and better and deeper and richer. And I was telling that with a, you know, sharing that with a friend of mine and he, what he said, Rob, was, you know, I would argue that every single morning when each of us wakes up, we actually have a second chance. And what did we do with it today? Well, guess what? If we missed it, 
tomorrow is another second chance. And that's what you're talking about are some of the, these keys, these principles that we can actually start applying to actually change that arc and that trajectory of whether we're kind of living by default or living by design, right? Yeah. And that is, you know, and I'll just maybe highlight one thing because the truth is it's every one of us as leaders looking at ourselves, first of all, with a set of humility, a lens of humility and saying, you know what, what are my blind spots? What are the things I don't see? And what I've found is the very best leaders, the highest performers across the board in almost any area have a huge desire to get better. And it's just, you know, we had a chance to you and I to visit for almost 20 minutes before we started this. And you shared the experience with your accident and the horse, which just an incredible experience and where you're at now, just mind boggling. And you think of the desire that you had coming out of that and you could have gone a different direction, but your desire suddenly shifted and you said, yeah, we have a second chance. Well, that's the truth. Every morning that we wake up and can breathe a fresh breath of air is a new opportunity. In fact, one of my hobby, I don't want to call it a hobby, but something I love to do is I love to go into a cemetery <laughs> and it seems a little strange, but the reason I do is because you look at these headstones and they remind us how fragile life is. And I introspectively start asking myself, am I really giving my very best? Am I being the best dad, spouse, uh, the best CEO of our company that I can be? Am I helping it draw out others in others? What is there? And if you look at these headstones, you see a birthday, a death day, and in between is a dash. And just like you said, every one of us, as we wake up in the morning, we're still riding our dash. Mm-hmm. And that's where if we can apply certain high performance habits to our life that are very predictable of success, they can take where we are and significantly help us get to even a better place. And the hope is that we never stop thinking about how can we be better. Yeah, and, and I really want to dig into some of these principles. You have a number one in, in the kind of the first set of four principles and is all kind of in the category of leadership. The second set is all around teams and relationships. And then that fourth kind of group is around living. But let's dig into, you know, leadership. That first one is being true to character. And now, so what does that mean when you say be true to character, Rob? So remember where these came from. I mean, this is, this is decades of research. We've invested more than 10 to 12,000 hours interviewing and putting all of this together. And we're simply looking for the common denominators of success. What are very strong predictors of success? Mm-hmm. The reason we put that one number one is because if our lives are not founded upon what I'll use as the motto from the Air Force Academy, we do not lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate among us any who do. If we lie, cheat, or steal, at some point, the house of cards will come crumbling down. And if you look at our personal lives, what's the difference between someone who's always trying to cover up a story versus someone who is a person of integrity and honor, who can be trusted and counted on? And if you look at a team, this principle, John, is not a big deal until it's a big deal. <laughs> in other words you just assume that things are great until an Enron happens or until a Worldcon happens uh, or until a Volkswagen and oftentimes it's only a small group of people who violate this principle and the ripple effect is enormous I mean it wipes out life savings and it can just cripple an organization so that's why this one is number one is the foundation yeah and when you talk about character right it, you know it makes me think of also kind of in that area of self awareness right understanding maybe not who I see in the mirror because a lot of things have happened in my life experience of a, you know that I've had successes and failures things that have been said to me and a lot of times we've let things in that might not be true but we've accepted them as truths about ourselves and that actually colors how we show up, how we make decisions, how we react to other people. 
And I think being true to our character also, for me, it was a process of actually shifting who I thought I was to that person that God created me to be. You know, I'm, I'm his, you know, it says in a, um, Ephesians 2.10, right? I am his perfect workmanship. And as I really understood that actual true character that's the, at my core, my values, my beliefs, my identity, for me, I got to tell you, I really feel that unlocked so much more of what I was able to do, not only for myself, but for others. That's an interesting observation. And I haven't heard many people share it associated with that character or with that principle, but I love that you did. Can I expound on that just a little bit, John? Yeah, please. We could talk a lot about thoughts and programming, and maybe we will as we get more into this podcast. And I love the fact that we can discuss God on this podcast as well, because that is so integral in this whole, he needs to be at the center of these 12 principles, because without him, ultimately, these 12 principles are only going to take us so far. You know, obviously, he's got to be the center. Uh, With that being said, he doesn't make mistakes. Everybody listening to this podcast was designed, organized, created for a purpose. And he has a purpose, obviously, that many times we don't see. And what's interesting is how many times because of this programming that you're talking about, that we've all grown up with, that we're all subject to, how many times we fall short of the potential that we've been designed for. Uh, If you look at some of the studies of employees, 70 to 75% of employees feel like they're not achieving their fullest potential. I just did a survey with 50 business leaders in Guatemala where I was last week. Only one of them felt like their current life was aligned with their, their vision or that they were achieving their purpose. And these are successful business leaders. And so this is a big deal to do what you just talked about, which is to say, you know what? We are a son or daughter of God with a purpose. And we have a significant mission in this world while we're here breathing, riding our dash. And so the question is, how do we go about and achieve that purpose that he's set us up for and and designed us for? And really, and I don't want to sound cliche, but this is where some of those other principles really become powerful is helping us achieve the purpose that he has designed and created us for. No, I, I completely agree with what you said. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, character, right, and developing, you know, some more 2020 vision on really kind of who we are, but also, you know, like you said, right, don't lie, cheat, and steal. Don't tolerate others that do. What are some of the, you know, action steps folks, you know, out there listening can do just in this area to maybe just make one small step forward and just becoming a little better? Yeah, this one's, and there's really two lenses. With every one of these principles, there's an organizational approach with the team, and then there's a personal approach. And it's like a candle. You know, as a leader, we can't expect the best out of the people around us unless we're trying to do our best as well. Uh, You know, if you have a candle and there's no fire or flame on the end of the candle, we can't pass the light to someone else. So, yes, looking internally first, I 100% agree with you is where we need to start. And, you know, the truth is, With this particular principle, it's almost all mindset when it comes to internal. It's simply making a decision to say, look, I'm going to be honest in every aspect of my life. And there's a lot of gray areas that we all face every day. And let's err on the side of being conservative. You know what's amazing about this, uh, John, is a person who's really focused on being honest in everything they do. They don't have to worry about what they said. They don't have to worry about remembering what did I say in that conversation because now I need to change it or adjust it. And it's really a liberating principle that can bring freedom. And that's why I said, if someone's already living this principle, then great. You know, there's not a lot to it. If someone's not, their world is, they're probably feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders. They're waiting to be caught. And it's just, it's a despairing feeling. In fact, and then we can move on from this one. Uh, There was an executive at Health South 
his story is incredible. And I'll just give you the very condensed version. But he was the CFO leading a team of about 17 people. And they started out just by fudging the numbers a little bit on the books. Now they were being audited by some of the big accounting firms, but they did it in a way that no one could see it. These were small things in the beginning. I mean, very small things. No one would have caught it. But then they grew bigger and bigger and due to some acquisitions and misstating some numbers, it grew bigger and bigger. And from the outside, life was great. They were flying in helicopters. They were taking lavish trips. I mean, things were just amazing in his life from the outside. But I heard him talk and he said, on the inside, it was like a cancer that was growing and I had lost my identity. I couldn't even remember who I was anymore. And he said, I'd lost my purpose and, and direction in life. He was violating this principle and suffering the result and consequences of it. And it got to the point where it was so bad, so crushing, his wife and two sons had left him. He said, I couldn't stand it. It was either end my life or, or end the fraud. And so he went to the U.S. Marshals and told them what had happened. And I mean, overnight, the stock price plummeted. People lost millions. This was a huge deal for Health South that cost them countless hours and countless teams. I mean, it was just, the wake was immeasurable. Now, the happy part of this ending is after him and many of his teams spent several years in prison, he came out and now he's speaking on this particular principle, which is what does character mean to a person in an organization? Because for him, it became everything. And the happy ending is he got his wife back and his two sons and he's getting his life back on track. But you think how his alternate reality could have been different had he never violated that principle in the first place. Yeah. And, and can I share a, a personal aspect on that? Of course. Yeah. One of the guys I, uh, I used to work with always talked about character and integrity. He constantly talking about it. And one day I'm, I'm leaving the office and he's walking out of the supply closet and he had his arms full of pens and pencils and uh, stapler and, and paper tablets. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, my, you know, I, my wife's starting a business and we have all this stuff. We're overstocked. So I'm, you know, I didn't want to run by Office Depot, so I'm bringing this home for her. And uh, now immediately, uh, my opinion of him changed permanently, right? The guy has no integrity. And I got to tell you that it completely changed how I saw him, interacted with him, trusted him. But I, I, yeah, I'll also tell you, though, this was a lesson I've learned. You know what I should have done, though? when I did have that as a personal interaction and observe that instead of making a judgment, I should have gone to him the next day and say, Hey, you know, you know, what, what was going on there? Now he might've told me, Hey, you know what? I didn't have time to run by the office store. So I replaced everything I took. Oh, okay. Well, that would have been a different story or it could have been like, it's no big deal. It's just extra office supplies. Well, that would have confirmed what I thought. So I should have given him the chance because a lot of times too, when we actually, because we're all human and we see people that actually do something that could, you know, uh, color our opinion of them, I really think it's also incumbent upon us as a leader to actually have some of those conversations to make sure that we're coming from the same place. And oftentimes, maybe if I'd given them some feedback that that's how that landed on me, this really affected how I look at you from an integrity standpoint. He could have been like, oh, I didn't even realize that. I'll replace it. Please forgive me. But I also, you know, I would want people to give me that grace. And if I do have a blind spot, have a conversation with me that maybe helps reveal it so that I can improve, especially if it's something maybe I'm, I'm not aware of. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's perfect sense. And then as you talk about character, the reason it's number one is because it's the foundation. Mm -hmm. This is what we build on. And this is where numbers two, three, and four become really valuable and you know, why does a person make the decision to do those things and violate character? Well, oftentimes 
it's because they haven't thought about the next two and three principles. And so maybe we could segue into principle two and three, if that would be all right. And, and really build on that foundation. No, I'd love that. Cause number two is leading with a vision. Number three is managing with a plan. And then number four is prioritizing your time. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Are you like me, where you start a book and then bright, shiny object syndrome distracts you and you start a new one? Soon after, you got four or five books on your nightstand or unfinished on your Kindle? Well, last year, John and I both subscribed to a book summary service called Blinkist. Blinkist divides the biggest thoughts and ideas of every book into short little blinks. That's what they call them. And you can finish most of those summaries in less than 15 minutes. The app is beautifully designed and you can listen to the audio versions while reading along or while on the go. When John and I would hang out after his accident, he coached me up and one of the things that he told me to do was read at least 10 pages of a book in bed before going to sleep. But I've translated that into a Blinkist summary. So on a few of them, like How to Win Friends and Influence People, I've read the blinks, then reread them over a few days to really get those key points in my conscious and subconscious. Try them for a free seven day trial. And if you use the affiliate link embedded in the summary of this MP3 or at eternalleadership.com slash blink, if you like the service and end up subscribing, you'll be helping to offset the costs associated with producing this show. Beauty of affiliate marketing. Again, the link is at eternalleadership.com slash blink and embedded in the summary of this MP3. Thanks. And so, yeah, I would love to talk about leading with the vision. And a lot of people, when they talk about vision, right, there's some semantics around the term. Yeah, first of all, how do you, how do you define a vision? Let's keep it focused on the individual for this podcast. Yeah. Based on what you talked about earlier. From a team, it's pretty simple. Does it create alignment and direction? An active vision within a company will provide leadership in the absence of supervision. I suggest people have something that are two sentences or less that an eighth grader could understand. Uh, when I went to the Dallas Cowboys and showed up, there was no vision. Having that just a year later was the beginning of a huge transformation that happened throughout that organization. And so that's the starting point. On a personal level, we have a personal productivity assessment that we offer, and we've done a lot of research on this. And if you ask people generally in a seminar, across the board, anywhere, managers, CEOs, doesn't matter. Who has a written personal vision? Less than 1% of our population will raise their hand. And this is about having something that provides meaning and direction because a person who has a clear vision and is aligned with God will never have to worry about principle number one, be true to character. It just becomes a non-issue. It's when we start to miss and not have a vision and be swayed by what's happening day to day that is so much easier to get carried away in the noise of the world. And that's why having a written personal vision that is powerful and meaningful and gives direction to an individual personally, uh, I would suggest it's similar to having, this is the quote I use in the seminar, that your personal vision is the seed of your legacy. And if we plant the seed in fertile soil, it has a chance to grow. If we don't plant the seed, it never has a chance to grow. And we invite people to do this personally in a way that I've never heard it done before, and that is to divide your life in different roles. So spouse, parent, personal, taking care of ourselves, CEO, and maybe a couple of other roles that matter most to you. And within each of those roles, describing the very best version of you in that role. So do you mind if I share an example on this, John? Yeah, please. I think that'll be really helpful for people. <clears throat> and this takes a lot of thought and effort. I mean, to do this is not easy. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you know, that's a good point, right? The, you know, for me to come up with this actually took a lot of time and energy and rewriting. It's not something you just sit down and go, oh, I got it. You know, and 10 minutes later, you're like, you know, you post it on your wall. Yeah, that is exactly. It, it takes time and energy and effort, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't do it. The other reason is simply no one has ever really taught us how in many cases. Mm. I mean, I went through four years of college and an MBA. No professor ever taught us how to live most of these principles. They just haven't developed the skill set themselves. So here's an example. This is my role of spouse. I've had this same vision now for four years. This vision then allows me to develop the goals and the plans later on how to make the vision a reality. This is my direction as a spouse. It's the very best I could come up with for me. And there needs to be no buy-in. This is all about you as an individual. Uh, so for me, this works. And it says, I'm, and I'm not reading this. This is straight from my memory. I'm a kind and caring husband who always helps Tanya feel like a 10. I'm totally faithful in thought and action, and I constantly strive to serve her, compliment her, and be the husband of her dreams. And that's my vision in the role of spouse. And that becomes my internal guide. And, you know, it's not that way every day in our house. I mean, last week we had a little disagreement, and then I had a choice. Do you sit there and focus on the problem, or do we shift it to the vision? And this is what we do as great leaders in our own lives is we quit focusing on problems and we shift it to the vision. We shift the playing field. So I, last week I walked up and instead of holding a grudge for two days, I gave my wife a hug and I said, you know, I'm so sorry. That didn't help you feel like a 10 and I apologize and I can do better. And it was over. And we were happy with each other from that point forward versus what could have been the alternative. <laughs> yeah, no, it's well, my, my vision for our marriage is that I want Donna to always feel like the most loved woman in the world. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So think about that. And you know, it, in a vision is like a true North, like, I read an article recently when a uh, airliner that we all fly in is on, you know, between, you know, going from point A to point B. It's only on course about three to 5% of the time because it's constantly being pushed off by winds and turbulence and the weight of yeah. you know, passengers moving around. But the reason that it's able to get to its destination, it knows that true north. It knows that what I want to correct back to. And that's what you're talking about. That is the vision that creates that self-correction. And, you know, sometimes it, just, it takes some humility, some authenticity, some yes. vulnerability to go, hey, honey, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. I'm sorry I've been cold the last, you know, you know half the day. And will you forgive me? Because you know what? I know right now you don't feel like the most loved woman in the world. Uh, <laughs> she'd be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, and that's it. And that's exactly what a vision should do. And that's why it should give direction and meaning is it allows you to each of us. I don't want to say you, cause this is all of us. It allows us to make those course corrections to eventually get to that destination, which is what's articulated in the vision. And that's why having the vision then allows a person to come up with specific goals to make that a reality. And so if, if I'm restating this right, um, the way you look at vision is almost kind of like, how do you want to be known in that role? Is that, would that be accurate? Yeah. Yep. There are three preparatory questions we ask people to think about and even write down answers that come to your mind before coming up with your vision. It allows the mind to think about the right things. Uh, in 10 to 20 years from now, what are some things you would like to have done and accomplished? Number two, think about some mentors or influencers in your life and what were the characteristics, the traits that you admired about them and why? And number three, in 50 years from today, how do you hope others will look back, think of and describe you? It's like Stephen Covey said, begin with the end in mind. So we're trying to really articulate what are some of the things that are most important to you and then articulate your vision in your different roles. And that's when 
you can then develop the goals, which is the next principle. You know, action without planning is wishful thinking. So really, what are the very specific goals within each of those roles that can help make the vision a reality? And I'll tell you what, I promise this. People will start looking at you differently. You'll start accomplishing things that others would say is impossible when you do this. I've seen this across the board. This is why teams start to rise to such high-performing levels when they apply these 12 principles because they get very intentional and focused in a way that most people haven't throughout their life. It's what transformed the Dallas Cowboys. We met with the president of Rwanda. And it's clear the impact that these principles will have regardless of a person's position or title, because it goes back to what you said earlier, John, and that is that they help us achieve and realize this potential that we were created for by a perfect and loving God. And this is just about untapping what's within us. What's there is the seed. How do we unlock that seed? It's there. It's there in everyone. How do we unlock it? And okay, so, so it starts with really kind of, you know, being true to your character, really get in touch with that, then developing this vision in these different roles. And then it's about that step three here is really managing with a plan. And that's really kind of uh, setting goals, if I'm understanding it right, in each of these kind of these different areas of your life that are important to you, correct? That's the starting point. Yeah. The specific targets for this year, what are they? Specific and measurable. And this is not easy. <laughs> Again, none of this is easy. It's I had a coaching client who's an orthopedic surgeon. Two weeks ago, he said, Rob, this is simple. It's not easy. He's exactly right. It's simple. It's not easy, which is why so few people do it. And so articulating and writing out the goals and then sharing them with three to five people who you trust to have that accountability to them and report back at the end of the year. I've been doing that for 22 years. It's had a huge impact. Uh, One of my friends, and this isn't all. I mean, there are other principles that come into play. This is the beginning. One of my friends that I've been sending my goals to for 22 years, two years ago said, all right, I'm inspired. I've watched. I'm going to try this. <laughs> he did it himself. He mirrored a lot of my goals, made a few changes to make them his, but he mirrored the format. At the end of the year, to no surprise to me, he came back and said, Rob, I'm reporting back and I want to tell you, this was by far the best year ever of my life. And I said, you know, I totally believe that. That isn't even a surprise to me because as you start to apply these principles and do the use these processes and habits, you know what the results are going to be. It's just a matter, like you said, of having a desire strong enough, a mindset strong enough to be able to actually do them. And once the desire is there, the skill set becomes much, I'll say that's the easier part of the equation. Yeah. Now, you, now we talked uh, before with vision, having a kind of a vision in some of our different roles, spouse, parent, let's say it's CEO, whatever, you know, business role uh, anybody listening has. And then you talked about when you're setting goals, it's three to five. Is that total or is that in kind of each of those areas? How, how do you think through that, Rob? Three to five per role. Okay. And we invite someone to look at their personal role, which is their most important role, and divide it into four subcategories, heart, mind, body, soul. In other words, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. Okay. What well, are your heart, goals? mind. I'm taking notes, dude. I got like two pages of notes already. I hope everybody else is too. Heart, mind, body. <laughs> this is good stuff. Soul. So divide your personal life into those four areas. And what are your goals this year to take care of yourself in those four areas? So it might be to read the New Testament. It might be to become a part of a nonprofit or to serve in a food kitchen on average once a month with your family. Although this needs to be about you. Uh, Maybe prayer is part of it. Physical might be to run a 5K before November 1st or to run a 10K or to participate in a half Ironman or to bench press X amount. You know, it's so wide and diverse, but the bottom line is, is it's about you. Physical, mental, emotional spiritual, taking care of yourself in those four areas. So what are your targets, your goals? 
So this is kind of that area of self-care and soul care, right? What are those personal habits? Like uh, uh, after my accident, I gained a lot of weight. So I'm I'm now down 35 pounds and I have another 20 that I want to go, but it's been a really intentional uh, goal over six months and hired somebody to help work with me and committed a a year ago to read through the entire Bible. So I'm doing the whole reading plan, a Bible in a year. And that has been, so it's, it's setting some of these goals, but also kind of knowing you know, why that fits into accomplishing that vision, right? I know that this stuff is making me a better parent. I know it's making me a better husband. And I know it's, you know, also in enable, it's facilitating me better at my professional role too. So I think, you know, understanding how all these, these are all, these aren't done in isolation area. It's like this right. fabric that you're weaving together. That's exactly it. If you look at these 12 principles and you pull one or two out on their own, it's not even close to enough. It's when you bring them together, it creates a chemistry of excellence. And that's why maybe if you don't mind this, this fourth principle, we could weave this one in. Is that all right, John? Yeah, let's weave that in before I know uh, we got a, a, sh- a little bit of short time here, but I think that's uh, important. And this is on then prioritizing. Is, yes, uh, because this is where the rubber really meets the road. If a person has a vision, that's great. And once you have a vision, it may not change for years. The goals change every year. What are your roles and goals every year. That's the focus. And then this one is kind of the key principle that brings it all together. And it's probably the biggest challenge for most people. 68% of people feel like prioritizing their time is their biggest challenge. (laughs) You know, and I, we all get that, right? There's so much pull on our time. Everyone's so busy. So we developed a process called pre-week planning, which is, as you know, after pre-flight planning. Yeah. Uh, And a pilot would never dare jump in their jet without doing some form of pre-flight planning. Well, likewise, How many times do we go into our week without a plan and expect a different result than a pilot would get if they didn't do their pre-flight planning? And it's my opinion that a transformational leader makes time. And we hear so often, I really want to do that, but I'm just too busy. Busy. (laughs) (laughs) And we almost wear that as a badge of honor if it's as if that's a good thing. And so pre-week planning is this proprietary process that will help a person schedule their priorities rather than prioritize their schedule. And we have a Becoming Your Best Planner that we've designed for the year. It's on the website if anyone would like to get it. And And what's your website? It's becomingyourbest.com. Yep. Okay. This is probably a decent place to pause right here on this. Uh, If you'll go to the website, becomingyourbest.com, there is a personal productivity assessment that you can take for free. It's 25 questions and it encompasses all 12 of these principles and will give you a baseline score of where you are today. So I invite you to take it, see what your score is. And then you'll get specific ideas on what you can do, implement some of those, and retake it in four to six months and see where you're at in your life at that point. And I can promise you, you'll have some significant things that will happen that will change where you are today. It just, it works for all of us. Uh, And this one is one of the most important habits, uh, pre-week planning. So there's very, four simple steps, and, and we'll do this in less than two minutes. Number one is imagine on Saturday or Sunday sitting down for 20 to 30 minutes and number one, reviewing your vision and goals. So at a minimum, when you're doing pre-week planning, you're seeing your vision and goals every week, once a week at least. Number two is just like you did with your goals and your vision, identify the roles that matter most to you. In the Becoming Your Best Planner, there's a place where you can do that right across the top. Number three is to set action items for each role. What can you do this week that matters most in that role? And number four is assign a time to each of those action items. When will you do it? So whether you use a paper planner or electronic, it doesn't matter. The process stays the same. What are the roles? What matters most in each role? When will you do it? And these are specific actions. So it wouldn't be, you know, listen better. 
uh, be a better leader. That's not it. These are specific actions. And this is the process that really connects where the rubber meets the road to help someone achieve their goals, to help someone realize their vision on a daily and weekly basis where it really counts. John, I could line the walls with emails of people who have said pre-week planning has changed their life. And it's not like these were people coming from bad places before. Uh, many successful people taking good and making it better. I mean, I just told someone yesterday, I've been doing pre-week planning for about 23 years. You take this process out of my life, my life would devolve into chaos. <laughs> it, just, it just would. I am so now reliant on this habit. And, and this isn't meant to sound boastful in any way. Uh, but people will start saying to you, how are you getting so much done? How are you doing all of that? And the truth is you do it with very little stress because of pre-week planning. And it's not all these huge things. It's just you're able to do them in bite-sized ways throughout the week and focus on the things that matter most. Uh, as a leader in your organization, with your children, with yourself, with your spouse, with your relationship with God. And so it allows you to schedule your priorities rather than just being subject to all these things that sometimes will grapple for our time. And so imagine, John, as we get ready to wrap up here, the power of just those four principles. We haven't even talked about the other eight. Someone who has character, someone who has a clear vision, someone who has specific roles and goals on how they're going to achieve their vision that year. You know, what are their targets? And then consistently does pre-week planning every week so they're staying focused on what matters most in each of their roles that week. What kind of life would that look like and feel like compared to the alternative of just flying through life in chaos? You know, just here's what, what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, I don't know. <laughs> and there's, there's a certain part of this where, you know, we invoke faith. When I do my pre-week planning, I pray at the beginning to say, what can I do this week that really matters most in our roles that would align with thy will? Mm -hmm. And once we start to align with his will, if our current reality, if our day-to-day -day lives are out of alignment with our vision, there will constantly feel like there's a gap or something missing. As soon as we bring our current lives into alignment with our vision and what we feel is our purpose that's given to us by God, there's a harmony and peace that comes into our lives that is indescribable. And that's the power of the principle. So it's no wonder why great leaders get great results by these high performance habits because they're very predictable of helping us achieve our fullest potential. And that's why we called it becoming your best. Not to sound cliche, but it's really about saying, what does your best and my best look like for us individually? And these principles are pathways and guides to help us get there. Yeah, and, and, and Rob, what I would say is, you know, people listening, if you think of the harmony and peace in your life right now, and if you self-rated that on a scale of one to 10, if it's not in that eight, nine, 10 range, I think that is a very clear indication that things are out of alignment. And so exactly what you're talking about, how you've put this together, a roadmap to do it, uh, man, what a gift for people. So I really encourage people to plug in to becomingyourbest.com, see what Rob is doing. You, you, do, you do speaking, you do training, you do workshops. I know you invited me to uh, a workshop that you're doing. Uh, there's one actually later this year. There's one in April. So, um, you know, this, this is the stuff that we need to do to get intentional about putting all these pieces together. I can't remember the stat you threw out before, but uh, I do remember one uh, I read recently that 75% of people on Sunday night thinking about the work ahead, they have some kind of physical or mental, like, you know, something afflicts them. Thinking about- It's like an anxiety. <laughs> yeah, the anxiety, right? The, I mean, guess what? 70, at least 75% plus of the people are not in alignment. And like you said, one person had a personal vision statement I've done that because I've had some amazing coaches. I try, I work at getting my clients to do that. But this stuff, is, like you said, it's simple, but it's not easy. 
But the good news is if you follow a proven process that has worked for so many others, you are going to get results um, that you lay in bed thinking about what if. So just imagine if you thought about what was coming up in your life a week, a month, two years ahead, and you just had peace and harmony and excitement and joy and energy was just flowing. That is where I want to get you. That's where Rob wants to get you. So Rob, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. You're awesome. And I'd love to have you come back on the podcast anytime. Well, thank you, John. And thanks to everyone who's listened and, and been a part of this. I wish we had a chance to converse one-on-one. And uh, if you don't mind, John, could I just share one final thought that might be of value? Yeah, please. That personal productivity assessment is a big, big deal. There's a lot of time and effort that went into that to really take what is subjective for many people and make it objective. Just like you said, John, you have these feelings inside and we're like, how do you quantify this? <laughs> And that's what that personal productivity assessment will do. And so it's really designed to increase your confidence, your peace and productivity. And so you can take that and becoming your best.com. That is a great first step. And then, you know, for other listeners uh, who would like to that listen to other podcasts, we have a podcast at becoming your best.com that we do once a week. And I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to be listening to John's podcast every week because I am so impressed with this eternal leadership podcast and not only the quality of John, but the people who are on this and, and the focus and the aim and the mission of it. So thank you everyone for joining and thank you so much for John. Thank you so much, John, for doing this. Uh, I just humbly and deeply appreciate it. Oh, me too, buddy. And I'll be listening to your podcast. Everybody check out Rob's podcast and uh, uh, man, just keep knocking them alive out there, brother. <laughs> hey, we're all on the same mission. That's why, the, you know, good, better, best, never let it rest. And here's this, <laughs> here's this final quote that I love. One of my favorites says, one ship sails east and another west by the self-same winds that blow. Tis the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the way they'll go. So we all have the same wind at our back. It's a matter of how will we set our sails and are we really working towards becoming our best? That's awesome. Thanks, brother. All right, you too, my friend. 